Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Pick me! Pick me! Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. What's up, everyone? I'm just going to start the show by letting the world know I'm exhausted. Drew probably is as well. And those NFL betters out there, all of you watching, probably a little tired on this Monday. But nonetheless, we move forward this week with Bet the Edge powered by PointsBet. We appreciate you joining us on this Monday morning here on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. He's Drew Dinsick. I'm Sarah Perlman. And coming up, PointsBet head trader Jay Croucher is coming on to explain now how the book set the lines for the AFC and NFC championship game and where they're anticipating action coming in throughout the week. And we'll also be joined by our very own Von Delzell to look into the NBA futures markets, some places where he still sees value. And we're also going to get into some college hoops games tonight that I know he's excited to dive into with his bets. And of course, we have our best bet. That is the edge of the day to wrap up the show. All coming up here on Bet the Edge powered by Points Bet. Drew, yep. I don't know what to say. I really don't. <laughs> I woke up this morning. Let's just be honest. I woke up this morning. A heavy feeling on my back. I watched the game with Bills fans last night. That oh. itself was really tough. Obviously, the Tampa game, very interesting. I know you had the Rams, so kudos to you for getting the win moving forward. But overall, just the entire weekend, Saturday and Sunday of games in the National Football League, it drained me. It did. I'm curious. How are you feeling now after looking back and moving into Championship Sunday, after looking at the teams remaining and how your bets did over the weekend? Well, uh, I'm all cried out. The, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm, we're moving on to uh, championship weekend. Um, I have a few more tears coming, but like I'm 98% <laughs> right out. I'm 98%. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of what ifs, man. 13 seconds apparently is too much time to leave on the clock for Pat Mahomes. Uh, why didn't they squib kick at least take some time off the clock? But 10 seconds was still probably going to be too much. Right. Uh, ultimately, uh, just, you know, why, we just needed one stop, one turnover, something to go our way. And, uh, you know, you get four out of four fourth down completions. You get, uh, you know, performance of a lifetime from Josh Allen and still not enough. That was really, really tough. I think McDermott's going to live with this one for his lifetime because, you know, there were some decisions he made and, you know, going forward in the second half that were pretty tough uh, to square. And then uh, for sure. The heroics that were, uh, you know, the final minute drive and the touchdown that the Bills got on fourth and thirteen were. It was such a, it was such a, a high to then go so low as they concede the field goal, 
lose the coin flip and never see the ball in overtime. It was a wild way to end the and weekend. Trust me, we could drew you and I and the entire world, especially on Twitter, can go into a 13 hour podcast <laughs> on the overtime rules, not letting Josh Allen have the ball in overtime. Listen, yeah. we will move on. We will move forward. Hopefully those can maybe result in a change in overtime. But to your point, a lot of tough stops that were not made in that game. That's going to haunt Sean McDermott. But uh, yep. credit to the over. We'll say that. Yeah, over was never show. in doubt. The yeah. over was never in doubt, so I will spin it forward positive. But what other games? Cincinnati moving forward, Joe Burrow. Ice in his veins, Joe Burrow. Yeah. Coming up yeah. now to take on the Chiefs. I mean, there's a lot to digest as we look back on the weekend. Yeah, here's my instant reaction to all these games. Um, Let's hear it. Tan Tannehill played like uh, it was his first ever playoff game. That was an embarrassing performance from him. To be doing that off rest at home is inexcusable. Uh, and he lost the game for the Titans more than even Burrow and the Bengals won the game. You know, Burrow survives a nine-sack performance. He needs to get the ball out of his hand quicker if he wants to have a chance against the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. And mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the, the nightcap... Um, exceptionally disappointed in what the Packers did in that game. They were utterly dominating out of the gate. Um, Mercedes Lewis fumbles on what would have been the go-ahead, you know, a second uh, a second score, which would have put the game uh, pretty much out of reach for that San Francisco offense, as we saw. He fumbles. Niners have good flip, flip the field, get good field position, hold that field position, get the blocked kick at the end of the first half. Special teams, just an absolute disaster class for the Packers. That was the worst special teams performance I've seen in a playoff game in my life. Life, uh, and I don't think it's close. They concede effectively a net 10 point swing with the blocked field goal and the blocked punt that turned into a touchdown. Uh, and Matt LaFleur deserves a lion's share of the blame for that performance because he never adjusted. And even worse than not adjusting, he said out of halftime, we aren't going to adjust because we like what's going on here. And what was going on in that moment was his offense was stuck in mud because he was running plays that were developing 15 yards down the field. And Aaron Rodgers was under duress constantly. And the fact that they didn't adjust from that was really, really, uh, you know, mind-meltingly stupid. And uh, I think uh, LaFleur really is – that puts even greater strain on his relationship with Aaron Rodgers going forward. The Rams held on for dear life. Thank goodness. If that had ended up been a, being a loss, I wouldn't be here today. <laughs> uh, and now, ultimately, Super Bowl goes through L.A. Uh, they're going to – they get home field advantage here for the NFC Championship game. Uh, they had – they presumably – if they can, you know, can hold home field, they would be home for the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, fingers crossed that uh, that that's how this plays out. And then uh, we've covered in detail, uh, you know, the the Chiefs Bengals, I mean, yeah, the, the the Bills Chiefs game. And I think realistically, it's going to be tough for the uh, uh, for the um, the Bengals to hold serve. But I give them a puncher's chance. We're going to dive into those games throughout the week here on Bat the Edge, and I'm blitzing the board and excited to hear from Jay in just a minute. By the way, underdogs three and one against the number as we just discussed and three and one straight up during the divisional round. The Chiefs were the only favorite to cover and win and, of course, took some overtime to get into that one. Just looking really quick how the book did. It looks like pretty well um, overall. A lot of money, of course, came in on the Packers. It looks like some split money on Cincy. And then I will say 67% of the handle came in on the overbills. Chiefs, shout out to Warren Sharp for coming on and giving us that one. That saved me in quite a bit of plays throughout the weekend. Um, the NFL playoffs, you guys, are here. And the NBC Sports Edge Plus is giving you a special offer. Get 15% off an Edge Plus annual subscription throughout the playoffs when you use the code PLAYOFF15. Get every tool for every game at one low price. It's easy easier than ever to play and wager with confidence when you have NBC Sports Edge Plus.
Let's bring in our guy, head trader at PointsBet, Jay Croucher, and let's dive into the NFL futures for just a little bit. But before we look forward completely to championship weekend, let's look back on the divisional round. I'm curious, overall, how did you guys do throughout the four games? How did the book kind of fare after the weekend? Yeah, not too bad. Pretty thankful for Matt LaFleur, as uh, Drew pointed out, because that was the big decision where just everyone lined up on the Packers uh, with all the Niners' uncertainty, particularly on the injury front with Jimmy Garoppolo, and he looked as bad as a Packers better could have hoped he would look. They still get the win. So that was the main one. Uh, did lose on the over in Kansas City, Buffalo, uh, Tampa, LA was a bit more split, uh, as was Tennessee, Cincinnati, but overall a good result with Cincinnati. Uh, so yeah, Green Bay was the big one. So I was pretty happy with that. Fantastic. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying following along with your travels as you are overseas and uh, curious, how do you keep up with what's going on in a day like <laughs> last night when the best game we've had all season? And let's be honest, that was basically the Super Bowl. The Bills Chiefs, like the winner of that game, we knew was going to come out and be the odds on favorite to win the championship. And now, sure enough, here we're looking at the futures market and it's basically 50 50 Chiefs versus the field. Um, you know, how how are you handling and covering this? And what <laughs> But, you know, what, uh, what, you know, what's it like, uh, you know, watching NFL in Europe? Yeah, I can't say that the streets of northern Sweden were buzzing about the <laughs> Buffalo-Kansas City game. Uh, I was. Uh, I was pretty excited to follow along even in the middle of the night. Uh, yeah, it seems like I missed a lot in America uh, this weekend of games. Uh, but it's pretty easy to follow along now from overseas. Uh, and, yeah, and just also just being able to kind of try to think in advance about, you know, what the – the next week's prices will be, um, you know, getting that bird's eye view, particularly what the Super Bowl price will be, where that's complicated by the Rams playing at home, which is, you know, something we dealt with last year, I guess, as well. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking Knock forward to, to Knocking getting on that. wood. It's not, <laughs> yeah. done, it's not there yet. <laughs> not yet. Um, but yeah, looking forward to getting back stateside uh, for next weekend. If people didn't know, Drew is a Rams backer in the futures market. Yeah, this is so now a Rams, Rams podcast only, which is hysterical <laughs> considering where we started the season. The fact that I was extremely you baited the Rams. Now all I all I all I can all I ask for is just get me. Let me Rams. be clear: I have no bets in for the championship for Championship Sunday, so it could be a Rams podcast. I don't care. I am dead <laughs> in the water in the futures market. That is no secret here for me. So whatever I'm betting this week is what will be. Now listen, we got to get into the Bengals Chiefs Chiefs right now. Odds on favorite, obviously, to win the Super Bowl as well. As Drew just said, they're seven-point favorites this weekend. The total's 53.5. Of course, you guys opened that line at seven. Would not be surprised to see this get bet up after we saw Kansas City um, last night. And, of course, Joe Burrow takes so many hits on Saturday. Where are you expecting this line to go here and ultimately end up come Sunday, Jay? Yeah, I think a touchdown is a pretty fair line. It's not going to deter people from betting on Kansas City, though. It's when 90% of our handle is at the moment, where I think, you know, the overwhelming sense is that, you know, this is early for Joe Burrow in Cincinnati and that Kansas City, that, you know, like Drew said, they basically, they may have won the Super Bowl against Buffalo. We'll see what happens. We still think that the field is more likely, but certainly they're the favourite. So Kansas City, I think the most important thing uh, that comes out of this weekend for everything that happened is that Kansas City's offense is just completely back. 
uh, the fact that they did that to Buffalo uh, after what they did to Pittsburgh. Continuing this late season resurgence, that is the most important thing in the NFL in terms of who is going to win the Super Bowl, the fact that this offense is right. The defense is bad, <laughs> so they've kind of come full circle, really, to the team that we thought they would be at the start of the season and that they were for the first few weeks. But the offense is incredible. The defense is not very good. And that basically two-month stretch where it was the other way around uh, looks like a blip at the moment. Uh, I will say, though, that in terms of touchdown dogs uh, in a big game like this, you do want the superstar quarterback or a superstar quarterback, and Joe Burrow isn't the worst person to ride with in this spot, uh, but we do think Kansas City will win. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a wild season for them, surely. There were some 8-1 tickets that were written around Halloween for Kansas City to win the AFC, and that's looking pretty, pretty solid right now. <laughs> the, uh, although it almost didn't come to fruition because the Bills had a lead with 13 seconds remaining. Uh, that said, Niners-Rams is an interesting market. You see this open at three. It immediately gets pressure. There are some juicy threes out there. There's three and a half at points bet. Uh, I'm guessing that most of this is on the basis of just the absolute grueling game that was uh, Saturday night's contest between the Packers and the uh, and the Niners. The fact that the Niners may not have a quarterback. Can this Niners defense do what they did against Green Bay, uh, against Matt Stafford at home and uh, punch the Niners ticket to the second Super Bowl in three seasons? I think so. I think there's a real air of kind of 2007 Giants about this Niners team where they're doing it very much the same way and they're beating the same teams too, having gone on the road to beat Dallas and Green Bay and they're doing it with this defensive front where they can rush four and still hold up. You know, they are the best defense left in the playoffs on form. The Rams obviously have some upside there and something to say about it. The reason the Rams are favored, though, is that they are at home. They do have the clear edge at quarterback so long as Matthew Stafford doesn't go into you know, one of his bouts of madness, which he's avoided so far in the playoffs. Um, you know, one thing I'm seeing about this game is that you know, some of the discourse is that the, Ram- the 49ers, they can't beat the Rams three times in one year. I think the fact that they've already beaten them twice <laughs> is a better thing than had they lost to them twice. Uh, so, so it's difficult to analyze, you know, because sample sizes are so small. How much does the matchup, how teams match up, how much does that dictate the game? The Niners certainly do some things that give the Rams trouble, the way they move around, you know, the Rams linebackers and, you know, they have been able to run the ball too. And, you know, they will have certainly no fear going into SoFi. I think that the 49ers, this is the matchup they would have preferred, the fact that after that grueling game against Green Bay, they don't have to leave the state. They play a familiar opponent, uh, but the Rams... They are favored for a reason. Uh, and then, you know, they have a very good chance to, to play home back-to-back weeks and win the Super Bowl. Yeah, just looking, I mean, the 49ers, obviously, as you said, won both against L.A. this season. They've won six straight against the Los Angeles Rams. Can they make it seven straight now as they face them on Championship Sunday? Jimmy G certainly has not been asked to do much as of late. Probably will be forced to do a little more as they face the Rams at home in this one. Um, Just looking at the Super Bowl prices and obviously could have found a lot better numbers before Saturday and Sunday. But here we are looking at Kansas City plus 120 to win the Super Bowl. The Rams and plus. 210. You have the 49ers plus 475, and then the Bengals sitting at 8 to 1. Not only um, looking at the Chiefs, obviously, as the favorite at plus 120, and you're kind of saying there's value elsewhere. From a bookmaker's perspective, what would be the best case scenario? And also, as your opinion, do you think there's any value left in these numbers, Jay? 
Yeah, well, we'd love the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, that would certainly be the best result uh, to knock out all the Kansas City tickets and also to get the result this week, which would be great. Uh, but they are that long for a reason going into Arrowhead and then they would be underdogs against San Francisco or the Rams uh, in the Super Bowl, whoever they play. Uh, look, if I was forced to back a team at these prices, I'd back Kansas City. Uh, I know that it's not... The, they're not the juiciest odds and you could have gotten much better prices at different points in the season. But look, if they if this offense maintains its current form and they blow out Cincinnati, then there's a good chance that they are bigger than a field goal favorite in the Super Bowl, which would imply that the plus 120 is value. And right now, when you look at these Super Bowl prices, this is just math of what we expect, you know, the money lines to be in the Super Bowl and the likelihood of teams playing each other. And I think that in terms of who has the most upside to make the price value, I would look at Kansas City just because there is a good chance that they will be uh, big favorites in the Super Bowl. What's all this Giants 2007 talk? Though? <laughs> I, I, no, I I, uh, I think that that's... Their destiny. Favorite. I think that that's... <laughs> I mean, the way they won that game against the Packers, it sure felt that way. Although, I mean, yeah, Matt LaFleur, what, what are we doing here, man? Too soon. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I got to get your take on one thing, NBA, because you're an NBA guy at heart. I know it. And you're probably laughing that people are even betting the NFL this time of year instead of focusing on the association, <laughs> which is the much, much more, uh, you know, much more lucrative market to be involved in. There is a price on points bet that shocked me. And it is in the MVP market where you guys are taking a meaningful stand on Joel Embiid. Now, here are my arguments why that is kind of insane. Number one, he has difficulty staying on the court. Number two, the Sixers currently sixth in the Eastern Conference. Uh, what is it about what he's doing this season that gives you guys uh, kind of, um, you know, some incentive here to take such a, you know, such a strong price, you know, position on Embiid uh, as you have in plus 350, whereas the rest of the market is in the six to one range? Yeah, well, I said that the streets of northern Sweden weren't buzzing about Bill's Chiefs, but they are buzzing about Joel Embiid, let me tell you. <laughs> they are buzzing about, you know, the real story yesterday wasn't, for me, Bill's Chiefs. It was Joel Embiid dropping 38 on the Spurs and uh, keeping the train rolling. Well, look, I think that the big element of MVP is team success and the uh, ability to get, you know, at least the top four seed. And, you know, one of the biggest threats for MVP right now is Nikola Jokic. Uh, he has a very, very difficult path to getting a top four seed. Embiid, yeah. despite the Sixers being, you know, the sixth seed right now in the East, they're only two and a half games back of one. And there's a very good chance that they can get to a top three or top four seed. And when Embiid plays, they're playing at a 56-win pace. And I think that, the other thing, too, is that people are going to want to vote for Joel Embiid. He is the only one of the top four candidates, the other three being Giannis, Curry and Jokic, who hasn't won an MVP before. I think there is the sense that he should have won last year had he been able to stay healthy. Uh, he is basically leading the league in scoring over the past two months and his on-off stats are incredible. And the thing is, too, is that you know, people really hate Ben Simmons. They really hate him. I think it's almost impressive the amount of disdain that Ben Simmons generates. And one way to convert that negative energy into positive energy is voting Joel Embiid for MVP, carrying that team to potentially a top three or top four seed with all the numbers he's putting up. And I think that if there is a bit of a gap with his stats ultimately um, to Jokic, for instance, or, or Curry, which I don't think there will be because Curry's fallen off a cliff, you know, Embiid, his perception of his the the perception of his defensive impact far outweighs Jokic, and I think that people will be able to justify doing that. And look, that we are looking at 
you know, what people will do, what people will want to vote for. And to me, Nikola Jokic is the MVP and it's not really close, but I just don't think people are going to vote for him if he's on a 45-win six seed, whereas I think people will go out of their way to vote for Joel Embiid. So that's why we have him where we do at the moment. Let me, let me make one other... It was a good case, honestly. It's a good case, and I think you guys are protecting, uh, you know, something that a lot of the other market makers aren't really... That, that, that's a blind spot, probably. Um, there may be one other blind spot on the board. And it's Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns. What are the chances that there is injury or rest or just lack of success across the Eastern Conference? Giannis doesn't really, you know, he, he, he takes a step back going down the home stretch. Embiid misses time because of injury. Steph Curry continues to perform poorly. And the Suns go on and clearly establish themselves as obviously the best team in the NBA. Is Chris Paul going to get any consideration whatsoever? Because he is a long price right now. He's long. Is he averaging 14 points a game? Like, I just don't think that he's going to get to the thresholds that you need to to really get serious consideration. I think he got a first-place vote last year, and his case was probably similar. This year, it will be a better case just because, you know, there's the potential that they could win 67 games. But yeah. I think that the way that they will be rewarded is with Monty Williams winning Coach of the Year. I think mm -hmm. that's probably where the awards recognition comes, where just – it would be such a low point total when there are so many other, or at least to my mind, three really legitimate and strong candidates in Giannis, Embiid uh, and Jokic that for Paul with those scoring numbers to win, I just think it's too much of an uphill climb. But I like the, the outcome. Right. The, the box <laughs> thinking. The also hey, I'll yeah, vote for Chris Paul again. I don't mind. I'll, I, did it, <laughs> I did it last year. I'll do it again. I, I'm that crazy. No, I, I didn't vote for Chris like Paul. It. But I, one, I like the spirit. One thing as well I would add is that a lot of people seemed outraged that Stephen Curry is still where he is in the odds. And, and I get it. His numbers, I mean, shooting 41% from the floor. But the thing is, is that team success is such a big element of this award. And right now, Curry doesn't deserve to win. But he's always a two-week hot stretch away from getting right back in the conversation. And the Warriors are better than the Bucks right now. They're a lot better than the Sixers. And they're a lot better than the Nuggets. And if Curry can just bump his numbers up to somewhere respectable, then he'll get right back in it. So that's why he is where he is. I wouldn't write him off yet. But I'd, right now, I'd have him behind in terms of who deserves to win, having behind Jokic, Giannis, and Embiid. Okay. Right now it's Giannis, Curry, then Embiid, then you could find Jokic. And if you want to go all the way down the board, Chris Paul, 100-1 to one to win MVP. Jay, how can we not appreciate you when you're all the way overseas in Europe still working and join our show? We thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your trip. We'll talk to you soon. A pleasure, guys. Speak soon. Jay's on Twitter, by the way, at CroucherJD. He joins us every single week here on Bet the Edge to give us that insight and a peek behind the counter over at PointsBet. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free.
At the theater, more than the movies come to life, movie lovers march in and skip the line with digital tickets to the latest movies on the free Fandango app, ready to grab some snacks. Pick me! And head to the best seats in the house for a night of romance, terror, and quality family screen time. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. Guys, Bet the Edge is expanding. If you haven't heard the news, Drew and I are hosting Bet the Edge Game Time on Wednesdays from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern to get you armed with all the last-minute insight, information, and trends you'll need to make your wagers before the games begin. Make sure to check us out on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. Of course, and it is a great fun show. You will want to come and join and drop your uh, tips because guess what? There are a lot of sharp handicappers in that chat. I picked up a couple winners last week. I'm sure that we'll get a couple winners again this week. There is more to cover than Sarah and I can get to. So by all means, tune in live, get involved, and uh, have some fun. And on Wednesday mornings, we have Von Dalzell hosting Bet the Edge Morning Edition, which is an incredible show and a ton of bets on that one. We welcome in Von Dalzell. And as always, we appreciate your time. Let's discuss and continue this discussion about MVP favorites. Joel Embiid, points bet, the market leader there. He's plus 350. Of course, we threw threw around some other names there. But what's your overall handicap on this, Von? Are you involved in the MVP market? And if not, are you looking to get involved with any of the prices available right now? Everything Jay said made me smile. I was back there clapping, raising my hands, fist bumping myself. I'm like, I love it. Because last week, Corey and I did a little fantasy embedding uh, crossover with some of the fa- daily fantasy guys. And we talked about the MVP market. And I said, and beat at 11 to 1. Definitely a good price. I feel like that's going to drop here drastically pretty soon. What do we see a week later? Three and a half to one on points bet, six and a half to one on the other books. Well, that's because Joel Embiid has scored 30 plus points in 13 of his last 14 games. Right now, he is just straight balling, leading January. All the NBA in January, 33.8 points per game, five assists, 10 and a half rebounds, any shooting, 55, 36, and 82%. Now, like you said, Drew, the big knock on him has always been the health factor. I think that he obviously has a going this year. He stepped up huge with Ben Simmons out. They missed time with Tobias Harris. Tyrese Maxey, a couple other guys. They've won seven of the last 10. And you just see Embiid continuing to streak up. But what he said after his big efforts. Now, I've talked about last week about him having the MJ and Kobe video and then going out and dropping a 50-piece the next night. After the last game, he said this. It's extremely early in the MVP race. The main thing with me has always been health. I think last year if I played 10 more games than I did, I probably end up winning the MVP because we were the first seed and I did so many things. Just the main thing is being healthy this year. We've got so much going on, missing our second best player, Ben Simmons. And it's a lot to do, but I love this challenge. My teammates are here for me. It's up to the media to figure it out. He wants to be the MVP. I like what Joel Embiid's doing. I like what he's saying. I like points bets protecting him because I think the Sixers can't finish as a top four seed uh, considering who the Eastern teams are outside of Miami, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee. Philly would probably be number four, and I'm a Bulls fan saying that. Yeah, I think the key really will come down to team success like Jay alluded to. Philly, if Philly gets the one seed in the East, you can you can start etching his name on the trophy. Yeah. Don't even don't even wait. 
Um, but uh, if Philly is still kind of mired on the bubble here between the play in and actually safely in the playoffs, then people are going to have a tough time, even considering how amazing his season has been. Uh, who do you like for uh, coach of the year at this point? Jay made a pretty strong case that, uh, you know, the Suns, if they continue their team level success, it's probably going to be Monty Williams. And the market obviously has him as the favorite currently. Do you think there are a couple long shots that could sneak up on him in this market? Yeah, really hard to argue against Monty Williams right now in the Suns. I know you're going to be the biggest Monty advocator of them all, so I can't argue with that. I will say I like I like Devin Booker slightly over Chris Paul in the MVP market. Just wanted to throw that one out there. If you had to bet between the two. Either way, there's a couple guys I do like. Eric Spolster of the Heat is one of them. Um, I know we were really high on the Heat entering the season. They've been outstanding right now, number one seed along with the Nets. And they've had injuries to Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, Kyle Lowry, and Bam Adebayo. Those guys have combined for 60 missed games this season. And they're still without Markeith Morris and Victor Oladipo. Uh, so certainly looking good. They start off the season 6-1, and 30-17 and 17 on the year now. And when you look at them potentially being a top-four seed, you're going to look at the other teams with Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie, the Joel Embiid having this amazing season, Giannis in the box, and then the Bulls duo, obviously. So if the Heat can jump these teams, Spolstra has a very good case at six and a half to one, in my opinion. And another guy that's just a long shot, it's not even listed on our graph right now, is Steve Nash at 30 to one. Because if the Nets truly dominate the East and have the best record in the NBA like they can, which is still a, sh- a long shot, I mean, it's going to be hard not to back that because they're going to miss Durant for at least a month. They've missed Irving already, and he's going to miss some more games moving forward. And then, obviously, the rest of the roster is made of guys like Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge. So you have a hard case against Monty Williams. Guys like Bickerstaff and Donovan for the Cavs and Bulls have up up their teams tremendously this year. I'm a huge fan. But uh, right now, yeah, I think it's all about Monty Williams, Spolstra, and I would take a little sprinkle on Steve Nash. We talked about J.B. Bickerstaff quite a while ago, and obviously he's still sitting at plus 380 for a reason, Drew. We said yes, sir, last week on the show, if the Suns won the NBA Finals, you'd get a Suns tattoo. If Monty Williams won Coach of the Year, what are we going to do with this? Monty Williams and Chris Paul, push-pull, is, is interesting to me at least because, again, like right now the Suns are streaking. They are out there 36 and nine. Next closest is Golden State has 13 losses. Like the Suns are going to be number one with the bullet at this point. Uh, and if people do talk themselves into Chris Paul as the MVP, then they're probably not going to also award the coach of the year to Monty Williams. So it's kind of one of those two guys really gets consideration, in my opinion. Um, and right now it looks pretty clearly like Monty Williams. I will just note for all this discussion, Steve Nash, first MVP he won, averaging. 15 and a half points per game. So it is not unheard of for a guy well down the standings in terms of points per game to be given this award when the team has the success that the Suns are having right now. So I will leave it at that. We will check in in about a month. We'll be checking in every few weeks as we do on Mondays with Vaughn. We move on because we want winners tonight. And Vaughn, that's where we begin. College basketball, hoops action. I'm curious to hear your favorite play for the evening. All right. Well, one of my favorite plays, we're going back to mid-majors here for this one. It's going to be Belmont's team total in the first half. So we're getting very specific here, but I think this is the best way to attack this game now. Belmont has had a pretty good season start off slow, but they're going against East Illinois team. That is technically 2-16, and 16, but their two wins came against non-D1 opponents. So to me, they are 0-16. Uh, in terms of Ken Palm and Bartovic, they are a third and fourth worst team in the entire country losing their last three games by 26, 29, and 40 points, YUC minus 25-point spread. Now, 
Belmont is a top, team, top 10 team nationally with 39 points per game in the first half. They go against an East Illinois squad that has allowed opponents to rake with 51, 48, and 33 points in their last three games. So I love what Belmont's been able to do, and this is a great spot for them because two of their last three games came against Murray State and Moorhead State, who are, along with Belmont, the top three teams in the conference. And they only score 33 and 35 against them and 46 in a little tweener game. Um, so I feel like this is a tremendous spot for Belmont to get out, get out to a big lead, put up 40 plus in the first half and keep things rolling for them. Uh, smash spot, to be honest, for the Bruins. Ooh, okay. Oh, very cool. Very excited about that. Uh, the SEC has been where it's at if you wanted entertaining college basketball so far this season. And there's an interesting game tonight as the Florida Gators, who are hanging on by a thread with hopes of making this uh, play, this uh, bracket, uh, <laughs> take on the running Rebels of Mississippi, who have also been a tough candy cap. They still call them running Rebels? I think they do. Uh, um, nah, who knows? Whatever. Uh, the Mississippi, uh, is. are they a live dog going up against Florida? I'm looking at uh, plus four for the full game here, but uh, you know, Florida really needs this one more, I got to say, and Mississippi, yeah. you know, they, they have some weaknesses. Yeah, definitely. So this is interesting because two of the best players for each team is out. Uh, obviously, Colin Castleton's been out for the past two games. And you thought those would be good spots to bet against Florida. And I watched that game, both games. They got out to a 10-point uh, deficit against Mississippi State the first game with their Castleton. Battled back in the second half, got a very nice win. And then Vanderbilt, they barely led at halftime, only by three, but they never trailed in that game. Blew Vandy out in the second half. So Florida has shown that they can win without Colin Castleton. Now, Old Miss on the other side, they're without their best player. Um, and he's been, he leads the team in scoring and minutes, which has been a very big deal for them. And the problem with this game is Old Miss has played very good in the first half, but got blown out in the second half. Well, guess what? That's the complete opposite of how Florida's been playing right now. So play on Old Miss in the first half. I got it at plus two and a half. It's been trending downwards. It might end up being a pick to be honest, because this is a great spot for a Rebels team that's lost four games in a row. But in those four games, they have looked good in the first half, and specifically at home, which they are tonight. They have led Auburn, Mississippi State, Sanford, and Dayton in four of their last five home games. Okay, Auburn was the big one I mentioned there. So, again, they're getting a Florida team going on the road for the first time without Castleton, and Florida has not been very good going 1-4 ATS in the last five at Old Miss. So complete fade in the first half for me on Florida, maybe live bet Florida in the second half. I don't mind the first half play, but Florida desperately needs this win. So as long as I don't even care if they cover, they get the win in the second half in the final game. Do they need it as much as Old Miss who's lost four straight without their best player though? Like no, definitely. I would say Florida's more on the bubble and for this bracket here than Old Miss. Florida laying four on the road. They've won three straight. I haven't bet this game, but I do like your first half look. So we'll grab the home team in the first half plus two. Vaughn, thank you so much. Best of luck with all your bets. No problem. Thank you so much. Vaughn's on Twitter. You could find him at Money Sports. He's super active there. He posts a lot of his plays there and across social media, definitely worth checking out. And of course, all of this stuff again on NBCSportsEdge.com. And do not forget, he is co-hosting Bet the Edge with Corey Parson on Wednesday mornings right here on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. Be sure to tune into that. Download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter Wednesday's free NBA pick and roll contest for a chance to win $50,000. This week, we're highlighting matchups between the Kings and Hawks, Raptors and Bulls and Mavericks and Blazers. If you don't have the predictor app yet, be sure to download it now. I don't know what's going on today. Well, a lot of weird things are happening today, yesterday as well, <laughs> Drew. But, but I look at the NBA schedule. I yeah. pull up 
and I see the Phoenix Suns are playing tonight. Then mm -hmm. I look at our notes for the show and I see that you're not betting the Phoenix mm -hmm. Suns. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What is going on? Yeah, Mercury must be in retrograde or something. What's going something on? Weird, something weird. It is. It does feel like. Are that. you okay? Weird is going. <laughs> yes. Well, we got to mix it up. We can't just go back to the well over and over and over again. I do. Um, and uh, <laughs> well, I think there's a better way to attack that game tonight, if we're being honest. And that is probably the over. Um, that okay. looks like a low total, in my opinion, at 221. Utah is coming in with the rest disadvantage. Utah right now is absolutely gassed. They are at the tail end of a very challenging stretch, whereas Phoenix is relatively well rested. So I don't think you're going to get any kind of characteristic solid defensive performance from the Jazz in this one. And this probably finishes in the 225 range. Uh, so 221 to the over is a fair look there. But that is not my edge of the day. I'm going to go to war with the gnarly pelicans the the pelicans of new orleans uh have not quit on the season whatsoever they are a plucky uh group despite some of the injuries no brandon ingram expected in this game Devonte graham right now is questionable however they are going up against an indiana pacers team that will be without malcolm brogdon without demontis Sabonis and without Miles Turner. Those are the three most important players for the Pacers and really this Pacers squad is trotting out a number of replacement level guys that aren't just like playing for contracts anymore. Now they've been doing this long enough that these guys are getting tired and so the fact that the Pelicans have a decent rest advantage here and Indiana is coming in a little bit gassed I think makes makes this all the more uh, lively of a spot for the Pels. Pels right now are three point favorites expecting this one to stay right around three as we get closer to game time. There may even be a little bit of Pacer steam here once people digest that Brandon Ingram's not going to go. If Devontae Graham gets ruled out, you might see this dip to two and a half. So there's really not a rush to get involved in this one. Um, but I do think the Pelicans get the win against the Pacers team that I think they've had some decent success in the absence of their stars. But this is uh, really where the grind catches up to them and they uh, fall apart in the second half of this one. Okay, big rest advantage coming in for the Pelicans. We will lay the three. You know that I just had to talk about the Phoenix Suns to get my mind right for the rest of the week. <laughs> So I might need to target the over, but we'll take the pals for edge of the day for yours. I'm going to college basketball because I haven't had enough time to fully digest championship Sunday and get involved in the props. So I'm taking a look at Texas Tech playing Kansas tonight, a game that caught my eye. I know a lot of people are certainly excited for this one. Um, for me, I guess the question would be, is Allen Fieldhouse, you know, enough of a home court advantage here? Certainly it's a big home court advantage. But the Jayhawks, yes, they're undefeated at home. But if you look back a few weeks ago, Texas Tech has a huge victory away from home. They beat Baylor on the road and they're playing really good defense in the big 12, but also offensively. I think Texas tech can keep up here. They've scored 70 or more points in four of their last six games. Super deep team took a look today. The red Raiders, four players averaging double digit scoring. The last time these two teams met, if you guys remember quite uh, about two weeks ago, they beat Kansas. They were at home 75 to 67, seven points too many on the road. I know the Jayhawks are on a four game winning streak, but their last loss was, to Texas Tech. Not saying I lose, but I certainly am grabbing, certainly grabbing the seven points with Texas Tech. I think they could hold on and cover the seven on the road tonight. Beat them once this season. Almost evenly matched here and uh, super good as an underdog. Four and one against the number this year as a dog. Texas Tech, Red Raiders, plus seven against the Jayhawks is my favorite play for this evening. I like it. Uh, my guy, Bart Torvik, has this as the most entertaining game of the night. He uh, give it, give, this is the top uh, real quotient game for uh, the entire Monday slate here. And he also has Kansas as five and a half point favorites. So he yeah, is with you taking points. Ago, Texas Tech covered. Now they're seven point dogs. Mm -hmm. He's taking the points. 
Your girls yeah, take absolutely. And I'm laying absolutely. the three with the Pelicans. That's all we have here. We're really happy you guys joined us. We started off a little slow. We shook off the rust from some of my personal NFL plays. We <laughs> move forward here all week with NBA plays, NHL plays, and college basketball, of course, getting ready for championship Sunday. Thanks for being with us here on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. Subscribe, rate the podcast. If you're watching us, thank you. We appreciate you joining us on the YouTube channel. Best of luck with all your bets. And Drew and I will see you tomorrow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 